So did you catch the uh, the Mortal Kombat trailer that dropped over the weekend? Uh, no, actually. Uh, so it looks pretty good. Uh, my main takeaway from it, though, was, uh, God, Sub-Zero is kind of a prick. Uh, well, isn't like isn't his original backstory in that he like murdered uh like Scorpion's family or like slaughtered his clan or something? Uh, he killed Scorpion for sure in the events of mythologies, but the clan was like a whole other thing. Uh, Qui Gon Jinn was there, you know. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the trailer, uh, he's the one who took Jax's arms. But, you know, then I remembered, oh, right, there's two Sub-Zeros, one who is a prick and one who's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, you can always tell them apart because one has the mustache. <laughs> well, after a while, the uh, the nice guy did get a uh, a cool eye scar. Uh, I think that showed up in Mortal Kombat 3. Uh, that was the, that was also the game where he where he's played by a doppelganger of Henry Rollins. What do you mean played by a doppelganger of Henry Rollins? Uh, give me a sec. Okay, check uh, check the screen share. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's he's just Henry Rollins. He's just Henry Rollins with a sick eye scar, <laughs> and with like you know, I black, feel like if they wanted to, they hair. probably could have just called. Like if they wanted, they probably could have just called Henry Rollins. He probably uh, would have been down for it. In like the mid nineties, yeah, it's like, what was he busy with? The Rollins band. Hey, they were pretty big at the time. I mean, uh, I think they're one of the headliners of like Woodstock 2 for whatever yeah, that's Woodstock 94. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in their day, the Rollins band was way bigger than Black Flag ever was during their, you know, original run. Yeah. Black Flag, it was one of those things where it was like your favorite band's favorite band. Um, I don't know what the critical consensus on the Rollins band was. I think that they were pretty well received like that, that like weird nineties funk metal thing actually got a like a considerable amount of play with funk rock and funk metal was big in the nineties. I do recall that. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of scene that launched uh, like you know, white zombie and helmet and all those other bands. Yeah. So yeah. All right. But you know, you're, you're right though. If someone just went to him and said, you want to play like a, a weird Chinese ice ninja in a video game? We'll like, give you free lunch. <laughs> yeah, there's a lunch provided. Lunch is provided. Oh, oh boy, I'll be there with bells on. Ugh. Rollins does strike me as the kind of guy who is never both never turned down a paycheck and never turned down a hot meal. That's how you get ahead in life, folks. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back to Splatterpunks. My name is Ness. And David. And David, did you ever see the movie Train to Busan? Uh, I actually did not. Well, it's on Shudder, so you should give... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on Shudder. I think it is. I yeah, think that's I'm where I sure watched it. I'm pretty sure I've seen it on there, yeah. In any case, yeah, you should give that a spin uh, when you get the chance, because it is relevant to our main topic tonight... Uh, remakes of foreign language films 
You, uh, uh, so the, the version that's on that's on Shutter is a remake of the original version. No, it is the original version. Okay. Uh, what we're talking about is the recently announced American remake of Train to Busan, mm. which raises a multitude of questions that we'll get into shortly. But yeah, uh, well, I mean, the first one that comes to the top of my mind is uh, why. Well, this is something I was kicking around because um, after uh, Parasite became a big hit in the West, I had thought that the lesson that would have been learned from that was, you know, rather than going to the time and trouble of remaking a whole ass movie, just localize the existing movie that was already successful. Because yeah. they did that with Parasite, and I'm sure someone made a mint off of it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that the, the budget of Parasite was very, very low. Well, yeah, and more so like if you're just dollars. and more so if you're just handling overseas distribution. I mean, your investment is virtually nothing. But yeah, since we are on that topic, uh, there was prior to Parasite almost like this perception in uh, in Hollywood that foreign films can't get play in in America for the most part, foreign uh, especially if they're not dubbed. Yeah. In the uh, in the uh, great uh, subs versus dubs war, Hollywood was very decidedly on the one side. Yes. So I think that we are on the way to finally, you know, I think Parasite broke down the wall, but it's not going to happen overnight, which is why you're probably still getting that Train to Busan remake. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there was for a very long time a trend in Hollywood of just taking popular... Uh, foreign language films, oftentimes horror films, and just reshooting them with an American uh, cast. Yeah. Uh, you saw it a lot around the turn of the millennium, and while I was thinking about it, I was like, alright, I can see the rationale a little bit at the time. These days it's different because, you know, between streaming and torrent sites and what have you, you can find pretty much anything you could ever want to watch. Uh, it wasn't quite like that yet in like 2000, 2005. I think Netflix barely existed as, you know, the old-fashioned mail-order DVD service. No, yeah, I think Netflix only launched in, like, 98, and the streaming service didn't really start until the mid-2000s. Prior to that, it was just mail-order DVD rentals. So, yeah, you could get some stuff like Itchy the Killer and Happiness of the Katakuris and stuff like that through Netflix, but uh, hardly or, anyone... Or some, sometimes at Blockbuster. Like, I saw Itchy the Killer and that kind of stuff at Blockbuster. Well, what you saw was the uh, the 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 blockbuster approved edit of Itchy the Killer. This, this is true. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't was get it the like Tokyo Shock version, or uh, I don't remember if it was Tokyo Shock or Tartan Asian Extreme who released the uncut version. But in either case, Blockbuster didn't have it. Yeah. The version of Itchy the Killer I had was uh, a burned copy that a friend who had Netflix made for me. So that's nice. how I was able to watch it uncut. Those but... those were the days. <laughs> piracy was real crude back then yeah you had to order dvds through the mail and you had to have like you had to have a connection who could order dvds from the mail and they had to have a burner so that they could rip you a copy and then like print it onto a blank dvdr and then just write and whatever then, then it was like, on it in sharpie yeah write the title in sharpie and then have them like leave it under like a trash can lid in an alley or something and then you yeah leave it in a dead drop pick. yeah <laughs> Ah, uh, elementary these school. Days, they don't appreciate the struggle. Elementary school was a hoot, I tell you what. 
but yeah, at yeah, the- you did get to, you did get turned on to a lot of that uh, like uh, Takashi Miike and a lot of like Asian extreme cinema pr- at a pretty early age. And we can thank Bravo Networks for that. Yeah, because <laughs> they did That's their hun- story. They did their hundred scariest movie moments of all time special back in I don't know two thousand two thousand three. And that's how I found out about Audition. Yeah, that was a pretty good countdown, honestly. I, I, I would go back and just watch that because, you know, it's just a fun fun way to kill a couple of hours. I have a copy. Yeah, well. So, yeah, we'll, th- we'll throw that on uh, when we get to, like, half a ween, maybe. Ooh, yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, but, you know, back to the topic at hand, yeah. Uh, unless if you didn't have Netflix or a buddy who did, uh, your only way to, like, get turned on to, you know, weird new movies was unfortunately either blockbuster or maybe hollywood video a lot of the time since a lot of the like mom and pop uh video stores had already been put out of business i think like good times video still existed in like the midwest yeah but you're you're also the the revival vhs shop hadn't yet become a thing no yeah we were still like 15 years out from that so yeah so, you know, back in the 2000s when they were doing all all that slate of remakes, it was a little more understandable since movies were, by and large, less accessible. Yeah, but one thing that I'm thinking is like, all right, you have an unte- you have a foreign language film. Um, it's untested. You don't know how American audiences will react. So your choices are just put the film out in theaters and see if people go and see it or make the entire movie again to the tune of millions of dollars yeah you see i thought about that and the explanation i've come up with is that rather than uh uh, distributing the movie and getting just like a cut of the proceeds uh they probably figured that they could get a much bigger payday by just licensing the name of the movie and then producing a whole new version that they own wholesale because then they get all the money yeah that still seems like a lot of work and it's a big gamble because a lot of these movies. Well, it's like, not that big I mean, a gamble we're, we're... because most of these movies were very cheap. Uh, the this remake of the the remake of the Ring is the only one I can think of where they were really throwing their A game because, like, wasn't that like Gore Verbinski who did that one? I don't remember, but yeah, we will we will get into it uh, as yeah, directed by Gore. Directed by Gore Verbinski, they uh, that yeah, that one they actually like sunk time and money and effort into. Yeah, but we'll get into over the course of our discussion the fact that a lot of these movies they uh they were not swinging for the fences. Yeah, these remakes. No, not quite. But yeah, I wanted to talk about a uh, train to Busan first since it's the most current. And I was just thinking, so you've never seen it, but you kind of get the conceit of it, right? Um, there's a train. It's en route to uh, Busan. Yeah, it's uh, a zombie outbreak on a high-speed rail line from Seoul to Busan. Mm. And I'm very curious... zombies on a train. Yeah. And I'm very curious how they're going to Americanize this movie based on... I'm tired of these motherfucking zombies on the motherfucking train. Based on infrastructure that America does not have. Yeah, very true. Well, I mean, they could always just set it in the Northeast Corridor. I don't know. Train, train to Bridgeport. Well, I was thinking like maybe was like, what is the whole movie going to be set on like the queue in uh, New York? But it's like, no, actually, you know what's going to happen is they're going to invent like an experimental sci-fi 
super bullet train that doesn't actually exist just for the movie. It's going to be going from like New York to Los Angeles in like a day. And the, and that's where our, uh, that's where our movie is going to be set. And instead of in the original where the zombies are caused by a random uh, chemical spill that the train is just passing by uh, in this one, the train itself is going to make the zombies with its like weird alternative green energy source. <laughs> so it's going to be a hybrid anti-mass transit, anti-green energy movie. And Elon Musk will have a cameo. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. So yeah, uh, if, if, if we're placing bets on this movie, um, there's mine. You know, honestly, I wouldn't want to take that action. Because <laughs> <laughs> describing it is like, yeah, you know. I could I could see this just being a total uh, hit piece put out by like the fossil fuel industry, and yeah, I'll I'll bet that if it's not Elon Musk, they'll have some kind of like you know generic knockoff like Epic Bacon billionaire to uh kind of like be the you know Ethan Ethan uh, Tusk or something like that. Elon Husk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm 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 kind of skeptical if this movie is ever gonna is even gonna get made since um the the pushback against it has already been significant and i mentioned a week or two ago that they were trying to do that remake of i saw the devil i didn't realize at the time that that had been in production hell since like 2016 hmm. so yeah I, i'm 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 probably going to call time of death on that one for sure uh stranger things have happened stranger things have happened uh particularly if godzilla versus kong ends up being a hit because it's the same director so yeah when is that supposed? To, is that's coming out pretty soon, isn't it? Godzilla. Yeah. Um. Twenty. Uh. March twenty sixth. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I'm doing for my birthday this year. Right. But uh, yeah. Train to Busan. Train to Boston. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Train to Boston. Don't like it. Just conceptually. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way that it could be good. I mean, even if I lose that bet and it's just like more or less just even if they like still said it in South Korea, just in English, then it would just be like wildly unnecessary. (laughs) And that's probably the best case scenario. Maybe just like, I don't know, any country that has trains. I mean, most countries do. So, yeah, uh, best case scenario, uh, a waste of everyone's time. Worst case scenario, a hit a uh, anti train, anti green energy hit piece. Yes place your bets but yeah that's uh th- this movie was just announced uh last week so that's pretty much all i have on it so um let's uh let's let's get into what you had to say about just uh other uh foreign language remakes in general yeah let's take it back to the turn of the millennium yeah uh well i think that you know foreign language remakes uh had been a thing in hollywood for for decades but i think the one that really kicked off the trend was uh, the one that we discussed a little bit ago, which was The Ring. Yeah, the, uh, for sure uh, kicked off the trend of uh, J-horror and, to a lesser extent, Korean horror remakes. Yeah, well, because it started off as like J-horror, and then producers were just kind of like grabbing any, like any kind of Asian horror film that they could find. They were just like, I don't Asian, know, Korean, it, Thai, Vietnamese, given, given, just take them all. Asian ghosts, they're a license to print money, baby. And for a minute they were, until there were 500 of them. Yeah. But I feel like we'll probably get into just like a couple of like, because 
you know, there are far too many of these uh, like J-horror ghost movies and remakes of J-horror ghost movies to really uh, talk about all of them. But I think like, we'll probably get into just a few of the best known ones. Just the the hits? At least the most memorable misses. So, yeah, I think The Ring from uh, 2002 is probably the one that does the best job of justifying its own existence. Yeah. I Because... I, most of these, uh, the American version obviously is going to be inferior to the original version, but the ring, I think, actually does hold up against Ringu. Yeah, because for starters, it had a much higher budget than Ringu. Yeah. Ringu was made for like, you know, 50 cents and a carton of french fries. Uh, the ring, uh, you know, big uh, studio budget, Gore Verbinski directing, Naomi Watts starring. They were able to, you know, actually, like, add to the movie instead of just doing a shot-for-shot remake. Yeah. I mean, it is still the early 2000s, so everything is green. Like, everything has that just, like, green pea soup filter over it. Is this where that started, actually? It might be. It's 2002. I can't really think of any prime examples before that. Yeah. So the the ring might be where the, uh, like pea soup filter started yeah, it was everywhere for a while even yeah. crept into the blockbusters like dark knight and harry potter 3 yeah oh yeah the, by, by the by the late 2000s fucking every movie was green yeah like some movies it was just like there was no need for uh this movie to be green like this yeah it's especially jarring with harry potter movies since we already since so, since we already had two movies to compare it against like the yeah, first and then going the first back two harry potters first two i here. i were I remember a lot of like reds and golds in the color yeah, palette. Going, going back and watching the first two Harry Potter movies is very jarring because it's just like, God damn, it's so bright. <laughs> <laughs> Who threw the flashbang? Yeah. And then starting with uh, three, it's, you know, the, 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 yeah, the same filter they used to turn Chicago into Gotham City. Yeah. I, su- I suppose Chicago is already kind of gloomy. It's just gray instead of green. Yeah, maybe like Chicago in the winter. That's the only time I've ever been to Chicago. So huh. maybe it's uh, beautiful in the summer. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty nice in the summer. Well, I just went at the most miserable time in the Windy City, I guess. Yep, you fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, with the ring, um, like I said, I think that this one is uh, actually does stand up against the original. Um, it had ideas. It had ideas and the resources to execute those, which the uh, the original emphatically did not. Yes. Uh, Ringu was a frugal production. Yes. Uh, a trend that you'll see in a lot of these uh, remakes is that uh, usually the Japanese original or like the Japanese or Korean or Thai original will have the ideas and then the American version will have the money. It's hard to get them both in the same movie. <laughs> To the extent that I think it probably only happened the one time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, there there were a couple of other instances. Well, what what's uh, what's the next on your list then? Uh, the next one on the list, uh, certainly the most well known of all of those films after The Ring, would be The Grudge. And uh, full disclosure, I've actually never seen any version of The Grudge. Oh, really? Uh, neither the original, the American version, or any of the uh, presumably American sequels. Mm. so yeah i've uh, never seen any of the sequels i was just like uh, i don't i don't think so man so this is gonna have to be your table 
Yeah. Um, I wasn't as big on the grudge as I was the ring. Um, I think I've only seen the grudge like the one time, maybe twice tops. Mm. Um, and I remember it being, you know, visually similar, you know, have having the same kind of like, you know, very creepy, unsettling visual element that the ring had, but, uh, the idea behind it wasn't quite as interesting because it was basically like, um, if I remember correctly, it's basically like a, uh, a haunted house story, except there's a kind of a curse sort of angle. Yeah. The, the ghost is tied to a curse, I believe. And yeah, yeah. it's, it's called the, it was never, it was, yeah, it was never super well fleshed out exactly the, the details of the curse. As far as I recall, it was kind of like, all right, so there are ghosts and they're haunting this house. That's uh, that's I, that's a haunted house movie, my man. I mean, you know, Japan has always had a lot of uh, vengeful ghost stories. True. You know, the, the aesthetics of the Japanese ghost movie hasn't really changed a whole lot since like the 1960s with stuff like Kataneko. Yeah, but then trend. The, and that well, except works for the odd context, duck, like, except for the translating duck, like, it house. to the American context, uh, it doesn't really make sense as much when you kind of carry it over like that, you know? Yeah, uh, the ring kind of solved that by turning it into kind of like a mystery story, you know, solving the explanation of why Sadako got to be this way. Yeah. So yeah, they they actually kind of like solved the problem by crossing it with like an American uh, haunted house movie in the form of the changeling. Cause wasn't that also basically the plot of the changeling trying to solve the murder of a child that also happens to involve a well. I don't remember if the changeling involved a well, did it? I think it did. Okay. But yeah, that was basically, that was the basic conceit of the changeling except uh, different, different. Uh, they, they uh, had different uh, endings. <laughs> yeah. And the, the ghost in the changeling is far less aggressive. Yes. And uh, yeah, I, I guess they in the in the ring, they were just like, yeah, fuck it. Evil child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the changing. It's just like, you know, no, he's just a ch- he's just a you know, he's he's a child. He's 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 a ghost. He's alone and scared. And, you know, he's, he's sad and all that kind of stuff in the ring. Nah, bitch is just fucking evil. Uh, because much like the British, the Japanese understand that children are inherently terrifying. Yes. Put put the a cor- was a British movie, wasn't it? Or was it American? I can't remember. Did they just have those weird uh, mid-Atlantic accents? I actually don't remember. I was I was just referring to the tradition of putting choruses of uh, British school children in uh, English rock songs, mm. or Village of the Damned, or Village of the Damned. Yeah, put a put a British child in a suit in it instantly, uh, kick up the terror level, terror level at least twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. Just just look at the Omen. I know yeah. that that movie is American, but I want to say that it's English just because of that little that weird little suit that they put the kid in. Oh yeah, it's an American movie, but it's an English movie because <laughs> it, because it has a freaky fucking little kid in a suit in it. Yeah. Americans don't do that. That's British shit. They even send their kids to school in those things. Yep. So uh, yeah, the grudge. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not honestly, not a whole lot that I could really say about that one. Um, um, you know, it, well, it didn't, it didn't impress me soup, a whole super lot the first time I saw it. And I just never felt the urge to watch it again. I feel uh, like I should probably go back and give it another shot, but yeah. You know what I have been meaning to watch is the, uh, the whole series of movies that are crossovers between, uh, the ring and the grudge. 
those exist. The Gring? I think it's just called Sadako versus Kayako. Why? Because <laughs> they're in, in Japan, they're recognizable horror icons. So, of course, they have to fight. So, this is like the Japanese, Japanese Freddy, Freddy versus, versus Jason, Jason. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, 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 this sucks, man. <laughs> I mean, I know those movies have existed for years. I've just never gotten around to watching them. I really should. Yeah. I I, th- I think they've also like fought like other like Japanese urban legend characters like the Teke Teke. What is the Teke Teke? Uh, it's the vengeful ghost of a girl who fell onto some train tracks and got cut in half by a train. So now she scurries around on her hands and cuts people in half. Huh. Sounds like an old country song or something. <laughs> uh, there's also they're always uh, fucking themselves up on train tracks in a country song. Yeah. Well, Japan too. It's a very train-centric country. True. Yeah, and that's I think another that... thing we. That's another thing we lost with the uh, the uh, the end of the age of American Rail. Good old songs about people running, getting fucking run over by trains. What's all these songs about trains? Well, really, is there anything else to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I I think I think our uh, rounding out our vengeful ghost squad. They've also had a crossover with the slit-faced woman. Who's another Japanese urban legend character? Slit-faced woman. That one seems a little bit more familiar. Yeah, uh, there's there's been a series of movies devoted to her as well. Point is, Japanese ghosts be fighting. Yeah. So next one on my list is uh, Dark Water. Yeah, that's one of the other... A- a- after uh, The Ring and the Grudge, that's probably the other major uh, American remake I remember. Yeah. Uh, because with the, with all of these like American uh, Asian horror remakes that were coming out in the 2000s, it seemed like diminishing returns with each one. Like The Ring was a huge hit, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. It's like a barnstormer. Uh, the Grudge, big hit. Um, probably not as well remembered as The Ring, but still it was, it was a very big hit. Dark Water is when it started to kind of be like, eh, do we really need these anymore? But Dark Water was. What 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 is Dark Water anyway? That's another one that I didn't see. Uh, it, well, I mean, obviously it's another ghost one. Yeah. I think this one is woman and child in haunted apartment building, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember the details of it too well. Is the thing always a mark it, of quality? Yeah. Another another one with uh, lots of like uh, ghosts involving water. Jap- the Japanese seem to be very fond of their uh, their wet, soggy ghosts. Yeah, you know, chain of islands. Probably a lot of people drown. Yeah, but yeah, it's... Like, it's like, are you a Japanese ghost? You probably either drowned or got hit by a train somewhere. There's probably a ghost who managed to do both. But yeah, it's and like I said, I think it's it, my my impression of it was that it was uh, pretty well made, but nothing really stood out to me about it like it's not going to change your life or anything like that you know so they kind of they kind of chilled it on the uh the remakes for a while as i recall they brought it back in a big way in 2013 with spike lee's big budget remake of old boy that nobody asked for and even fewer people watched yeah like did you watch uh old boy 2013 shut up no you didn't anyone who says that they did is a liar (laughs) why would you admit to that (laughs) even if you did yeah like yeah 
we we certainly didn't need that. No, I mean the original is pretty much already like a perfect mystery thriller sort of movie. Not really sure what genre you'd put it in, actually, but yeah, I actually haven't seen the original Old Boy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you should get on that. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's not really horror, right? It's it's like an action film, more more so at least. It has some action set pieces, but it's more about like the mystery of uh, uh the guy tr- of uh Odesu trying to figure out who did who imprisoned him for fifteen years and why. Hmm. Yeah, you you know the rough conceit of it, right? Not really. No, I actually no, know no really uh, really very little about Old Boy. Uh, well, it's about this uh you know kind of every man businessman family man sort of guy who uh family gets man. Huh? family man with his life all planned until he gets kidnapped and imprisoned in like a secret prison for 15 years and then after 15 years he's just released with no explanation and he has to try and figure out you know who took his life away from him and why and he has become the old boy. Well, that does get, you know, the, the title is explained, uh, but, you know, I can't explain it without really kind of giving away the the secret of the mystery. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, on my list, I had, you know, just a few more of those kind of sort of now. Now we're getting into like the real shit of like the uh, the American uh, Asian horror remakes. You know, we got Shudder. Which was a, uh, a originally a Thai movie. It's basically like, uh, uh, yeah, I forgot about Shutter. Yeah, it's like the ghost was on your shoulder the whole time. It's yeah, it's literally a film version of that creepy pasta about like the white hand on your shoulder in Pokemon Red and Blue. Yeah, um, Pulse. Uh, probably, probably, at least for me, probably like the low point of the American remake trend. Yeah, I was actually just reading an article in Rue Morgue about the movie Pulse was based on since it just turned uh, uh, 20 this year. Yeah, the original Japanese version. Yeah, it was called uh, Kaidon or something like that. Kaido? Kaido, something. I, I, already, yeah. I already forgot. But yeah, uh, having not seen the original, but having read that um, uh, that retrospective, my suspicion is that the people remaking just fundamentally didn't get the movie that they were remaking no yeah um which is probably a a recurring thread throughout a lot of these (laughs) yeah pulse was kind of like a slow like a very slow moving uh horror film and it was kind of you know it had these really uh, actually kind of interesting themes about like you know technology and like you know uh loneliness and modern society and that kind of stuff yeah that, Uh, that, that that's kind of what the other writer for real morgue was talking about since it feels very prescient at a point in time where we can only really interact with each other via technology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Ky- uh, Pulse, honestly, probably more than any of these movies has probably aged the best out of them. It's probably become, Oh fuck. Now I want to rewatch it because it's actually a really fucking good movie. Yeah. Uh, really. Uh, well, like not an- Pulse, uh, Quido or whatever. Yeah. The jet, the jet. Well, I mean, they're both, they're both, they're both Pulse basically. They're just, you know, one is the Japanese word for it. Okay. It's a really effective and unusual horror film. And, you know, it actually, yeah, it is uh, actually quite prescient for, you know, the modern day, like, especially uh, it's become even more so in the 20 years since it was made. But uh, in the American version, 
basically just gets kind of transposed into a shitty jump scare movie with like haunted cell phones or some bullshit. Which also brings us to the literal haunted cell phone movie, One Missed Call. Yes. <laughs> that was another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although with that one, I think they actually did get Takashi Miike to remake his own movie. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's a, that's another point that I forgot to bring up about The Grudge was The Grudge was remade by like the remake of The Grudge was done by the guy who did Juan like the original version oh was it yeah so it, they just got him to remake his own movie with Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah and I'm sure he was kind of just like you know I already made this movie once but uh, a check's a check <laughs> yeah I'm sure they probably offered him more money than he ever made in Japan he probably yeah but um, yeah, I think that's that kind of leads into a larger problem with a lot of these movies. What, like we were just talking about with Pulse, basically kind of stripping out everything interesting and, you know, that made the movie good and just for filling it with bullshit. Yeah, uh, I think the problem, like the overarching problem that you see with mo- almost all of these movies is that the remakes don't add anything. Right. They as, don't as, bring as, anything as, new or interesting to the table that improve on the original in any way, with the exception of possibly of The Ring. Yeah, I like to say that the single worst remake ever made was the uh, the 1990s uh, remake of Psycho, since it is literally a shot-for-shot remake of the original. The only difference is that now it's in color, and Tony Perkins has been replaced by Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I'd give it a watch just for the novelty, if nothing else. You will be disappointed and very bored. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I call that the worst remake since, like I said, Shaw for Shaw remake does n- does nothing to iterate on the original or really set itself apart. Other than that, I assume the pitch meeting wins. Like, so Psycho's a great movie. People won't watch it anymore though, since it's in black and white. So let's just remake it in color. Yeah. And honestly, that kind of goes into here's what I ten was, million dollars. <laughs> that kind of goes into what I was just thinking too, because uh, obviously the aim with a lot of these uh, J horror remakes that we've been talking about was probably like to try and make them more palatable for like a contemporary American audience. But just like with the Psycho remake, they usually end up falling on their ass most of the time because they just strip out whatever made the like a lot of the stuff that made the original good. Yeah. Like Anthony Perkins' performance. Yeah. But that does lead me to, since you were talking about 90s movies and we were talking about Japanese print uh, properties, I included on the list Godzilla, Godzilla 1998. Uh, of course you did. <laughs> oh, Roland. Roland. Roland, Roland, Roland. Well, you brought it up. So what do you have to say about Godzilla 98 that ain't already been said? <laughs> Oh, that ain't already been said? Nothing, really. It's just yeah. a dog shit movie. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think merch, Got a lot of merch out of it, though. So Actually, you know what? I think I know better. what went wrong with uh, Godzilla 98. They wanted to make a knockoff of The Lost World, but they could only get the rights to Godzilla. Uh, the whole movie is just like a feature-length version of the T-Rex rampage from the end of Lost World. Yeah. Actually, now that you bring that up, it's kind of weird that there weren't more dinosaur movies in the 1990s. Well, it's because the effects are hard. This is true. We don't like doing hard things. Yeah. 
Un- un- unless it's like Tammy and the T-Rex where they had the animatronic and just built a movie around that. Yeah, the effects are hard. You know what? Credit where it's due, they fucking tried. <laughs> God damn it, they tried. Who, Godzilla or Tammy and the T-Rex? Tammy and the T-Rex. No, that's a good movie. I like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Godzilla 98. That's... No, yeah, that was... They, they emphatically did not try. No, yeah, Godzilla 1998 might be one of the most cynical movies ever made. You have wasted my time. You have wasted Jean Reno's time. But yeah, they because they they just threw this thing together. No vision, no intent, no purpose, other than to sell like a mountain of toys the size of Mount Everest, which which probably went unsold. Yeah, for the most part, they did not sell. Yeah. Uh, like the bargain bins at the Toys R Us and the KB Toys were very full of Godzilla 1998 merchandise for a long fucking time. It's like, I think about that and like the Disney Infinity figures for uh, the Lone Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least then it was just like a couple of figures. With Godzilla, they did an entire fucking toy line. There was a Godzilla cartoon show. Like which, was, which was actually leaps and bounds better than the movie it was based on. It was actually, yes. Um, because it was really more similar to like the uh, Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon. It's basically what it was. Just with yeah. Zilla instead of uh, Godzilla and Godzuki. Yeah, no Godzuki. So I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure if that's a positive or a negative. It was the 90s. You, did, you didn't do shit like Godzuki anymore. Well, you could fucking... Godzuki could like get like start skateboarding and wear a backwards hat and you know get him some jinko jeans whenever godzuki's not on screen everyone should be asking where's godzuki yeah. godzuki died I on his way go, back I to monster to island now. i have to go now monster island needs me <laughs> man now i'm kind of upset that they didn't do that <laughs> It would yeah, have been got- some. It would have been some Yo Yogi tier cheese. Yeah, I was about to say we got fucking Yo Yogi. We got Tom and Jerry kids. We got the Muppet babies. Uh, we couldn't get fucking uh, uh, rad uh, ass God's uh, Godzuki doing sick kick flips. Yeah, the yeah the uh, the opening theme. Uh, it's the it's the original opening theme from the uh, from like the original Hanna Barbera cartoon. Oh, with a rap happening through it. Well, no, that's when uh, Godzuki fucking kicks the fucking door down and he's doing a rap, but also he's got a flying V guitar at the same time. He's playing a solo while he's rapping. I didn't know that anybody could do that, but he did it. Fucking Godzuki, motherfucker. Uh, the 90s. It's like as soon as the Soviet Union fell, no one knew what to do anymore, so they just did everything. Well, yeah, that's what the movie Canadian Bacon was about. Yeah, True. Without the spooky, scary Russians, we don't have anything to, like, define ourselves against. Well, yeah, that's why the 90s was just a decade of movies just blowing the fuck out of everything. Floating all the time. From the depths, 30 stories high, Um, did you have anything else to say about Godzilla 98? No, not really. Anybody got any of those toys laying around? 
uh, I used to see them at the flea market every now and again. Yeah. It's like the big full-size Zilla toy. Probably should go back and do a rewatch of the Godzilla Unlimited uh, cartoon. Did Godzilla 98 have a music video with P. Diddy? You know, <laughs> now that you mention it, I think it may. <laughs> That's another trend that uh, didn't really survive the 90s. Yeah, uh, was, Puff Daddy. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that was same person. Okay. He, he's, he's gone by many different names over the years. Yep, Godzilla, 98, Puff Daddy, come with me. Yeah, Lyrics, another... uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> That's another thing that uh, sadly died with the 90s was the... Uh, the tie-in video. Yeah, the novelty tie-in music video with like a Well, no, of- it didn't die in the 90s. Uh, Men in Black 3 got uh, Mr. Worldwide to do a video. Okay, well, Pitbull is a ninety <laughs> guy. He just didn't know what decade he was in. <laughs> but yeah, I, like the the tie-in music video with a budget that's like almost as high as the movie itself. One of my favorite Patton Oswalt bits is him talking about like being on set for some reason for the recording of the Wild Wild West music video and just catching like Will Smith sitting alone in a room looking sad. <laughs> <laughs> like i should i mean i would be too i don't blame him but yeah well yeah because he was just sitting there knowing that you know when this when this one moment of respite of respite is over he's gonna have to go back out there and rap about the giant spider but uh as for some movies that uh aren't shit there was also uh let the right one in the uh the british version yeah, was it because the original version was uh Speed. no let the let okay let the right one in was the Swedish version and then yeah. let let me, me in. in was the British version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the original novel was actually named Let Me In. At least the copy yeah. of it I have is. Well, and I mean, also you have to keep in mind that it was tra- probably translated from the original Swedish, so the original title was probably like Ork Bork Bork Bork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know much about Swedish, but I know. Uh, you know, when uh, Norwegians try to localize themselves, you get take on me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Let Me In actually was a pretty good, like, it was a pretty good remake. I think it was pretty faithful to the original version. But does that it need to exist? Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up, though, was that it didn't really add anything that didn't that didn't already exist in the, pre- in the original film. It's just British. And that was like when Hammer Studios was making their big comeback. It's like, really? That's what you want to lead with? Okay, whatever. Well, who who's generally more depressed, the British or the Swedish? Oh, the Swedes, easily. The Swedes, yeah, yeah. Well, because the... they see, they seem pretty. They seem like a pretty black pilled country. But uh, I don't I don't know if they had like you know kind of found peace in that. I don't know. But you know the Brits, you know they at least have the uh, the, the the silly Cockneys and the what have you. It's like. Yeah. There is there is like no Swedish uh, Bavaria. It's just all the gay aliens from Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> you mean the keepers of the continuum transfunctioner? Precisely, yes. <laughs> so that was a a uh, so solid, but me... solid. You know, not offensively bad, but it's yeah. Let it... me in was a was a good movie, but didn't really contribute anything. It's just next... British. The next movie on my list is not a good movie, 
but it did contribute some excellent memes. What you got for me? Uh, This one actually is not a foreign language film. It's just a remake uh, of a foreign film, but it is The Wicker Man. (laughs) Like I said, not a good movie, but God damn it contributed. Uh, Having seen both, I gotta say, I'd kind of rather watch the Nick Cage version. Like the 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 Christopher Lee original is far and away, you know, a better movie. But I can I can throw the the Nick Cage movie on any time and have a ball. <laughs> well, yeah, because the original Wicker Man, uh, early early example of uh, that folk horror trend that's going on right now. Yeah, uh, I actually saw it at like uh, the Tampa Cult Film Club around the time Midsummer came out because obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, excellent film, but very slow paced. Um, it's really more of like a, it's not a horror film, Jen, I wouldn't say. It's really more of kind of a, like a, a very slow paced suspense thriller. Yeah, with, with kind of a mystery aspect since, you know, the cop is there to try and solve a mystery. Yeah. Or at least he thinks he is. Yeah. And then uh, the remake, I think, is actually like a masterpiece of like proto, like, like, it, it, it was it was a masterpiece of like very early like absurdist humor of the kind that we would get with like Eric Andre and Tim and Eric a few years later, which I think actually is what they were going for. And if I'm correct, then, you know, mission accomplished. Yeah, that sounds like a uh, a film student thesis. I, I think that is actually what the director said. That he was trying to. That yeah, they, he didn't they... actually like the original movie, so he was just like going nutso with it. I, so I could he, so he was like sitting there watching uh the original wicker man he was just like this is dumb bullshit what if we covered him in bees <laughs> i i could be so off what ba- if there were people in bear suits fucking each other <laughs> i could be off base on that and i very often am off base but i think that's what happened <laughs> well like i said you know i i admire his commitment to the anything. bit yeah you can't say it didn't bring anything new to the table no, you cannot. But uh, yeah, like I said, um, when uh, Parasite became a big hit here in the West, I had hoped that the lesson uh, that would have been learned would have just been to, you know, import more movies. But it seems like we're not quite there yet. Yeah, but film production is a years long process. So it's kind of hard to just stop this train, you know, right away. You know, there's this, some this train to Boston. Up. Yeah. Exactly. So things that are projects that are already in production and that kind of stuff, you know, they it's going to take a while for the for the trend to really kind of emerge. One one side note I did want to uh, throw out there was uh, uh, the rare case where we see this phenomena in reverse, where uh, Western movies get either remakes or sequels or spinoffs in another country. Yeah. The I mean, are you talking about the unauthorized sequel? Uh, in this case, no, actually, because there is a fully legitimate paranormal activity two separate from the paranormal activity two that we know uh that was only released in japan hmm. it's paranormal activity two tokyo night from 2010 paranormal activity tokyo drift <laughs> yeah but good yeah uh i i haven't gotten to see this one yet uh since i don't even know where you can find it uh streaming but from what i've heard it's actually like one of the best of the series 
Not that there's much competition since while we both liked the first one, there was a pretty steep drop off in quality immediately afterwards. No, yeah, pretty quick diminishing returns on that front. Honestly, we should have talked about that during that one episode where we talked about horror franchises with the most with the steepest drop offs. I think because it could give Hellraiser a run for its money. I think I thought we did. Maybe we did. That was a while ago. So yeah, yeah, because they they the the Paranormal Activity franchise got fucking weird real fast. And the Conjuring. Yeah, Conjuring also got weird real fast. Yeah, uh, first uh, first Conjuring was a masterpiece. Then they started doing the Annabelle spinoffs, and I think the really? Nun is also in the Conjuring expanded universe. It is, yeah. The, well, the fact that we have a Conjureverse now is a sign that you probably should have stopped a couple movies ago. Yeah, that shit got squirrely immediately. Yeah, I thought that the ending of the original Conjuring movie was a little too over the top, considering that it it just like tonally it just clashed for, uh, for me a little too much. A little too much like compared with the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie relied on a lot of these like really subtle creepy scares and then the uh they just kind of went balls to the wall for the finale i mean maybe but i don't know how else the movie was really supposed to end yeah so what 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 do you have on this um this uh paranormal activity like japanese sequel uh synopsis is a young woman returns to Tokyo following a car accident that fractured both of her legs while her brother Koichi uh, provides hospitality for Haruka. Weird noises and events transpire in the house, leading to a more horrifying truth. So, you know, just kind of like a you know, straightforward, you know, paranormal activity movie, a lot like the original. You got two people in a house being haunted. They have a uh, video camera. Yeah, it, it is effectively a soft remake of the original, just with a brother and sister instead of a boyfriend and girlfriend. Well, I don't know. I've seen some of those animes. They might be the same thing. <laughs> don't get don't get weird on me. <laughs> yeah, it says this is a side cool, a side story related to the Paranormal Activity series, not a sequel to Paranormal Activity. So, yeah, it effectively has nothing to do with the other movies, since I think they did have an overarching story at a certain point. They did, yes. Uh, it involved, um, like witches and that sort of thing. Huh. Grand grandma. It was like a, yeah, the, the, the girl. From yeah. The I remember movie. a little bit that she, in the very first one, she mentioned that like she had been stalked by demons since she was a kid. And I think she mentioned that her grandma was up to some witchcraft or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. So in the sea, I saw the, f- it's been I a long time since movie. I watched any of these. Yeah, I saw the first three Paranormal Activity movies, and yeah, they got into some like witch shit uh, as the series goes on. So also got squirrely pretty much immediately. Yeah. And uh, Paranormal Activity is another one with uh, a muddled ending, by which I mean there's like five of them. Yeah. I don't even remember. I don't don't think that the ending really changes a whole lot. Like the, the people who die in the movie end up still dead, I believe, at the end of it. Yeah, I just I just don't even remember if like the theatrical ending is like the canon ending or what, but yeah. But uh yeah, moving forward, I'm sure we'll see uh plenty more of these uh remakes. Uh I'm I'm personally I'm still waiting for the inevitable announcement of a Parasite remake. Uh I'm kind of dreading that. I mean, no, they we... already remade Snowpiercer as a cop show, so yeah. Um I would, yeah, I was very not excited about that. Yeah. Uh, though Snowpiercer wasn't 
really i mean it was directed by bong joon ho but it was like an american production right yeah it was actually a weinstein production love that boy yeah but yeah the star was chris evans so yeah so you're saying he's not korean last i checked mm, no okay but yeah, I I've seen I've seen like commercials and that sort of stuff for the Snowpiercer TV show. Yeah, and... it's got like Sean Bean and uh uh what's her name from Labyrinth? I don't know. Regardless, I was just kind of like, uh this looks like it sucks, man. Yeah, uh I I was gonna have to like uh write a thing in the near future where I might actually have to watch some of it, and I'm just not looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm just uh, I haven't even seen it yet and I'm just straight up not having a good time man so what's what's the deal it's like they turned uh, Snowpiercer into a cop show yeah the the plot of the first season is like a murder mystery following like the train police he's he's uh, someone's someone's trying to get roused by the bulls I thought they I, I thought that they liked it when people got murdered on Snowpiercer not in this time and then in the season two, Sean Bean shows up and he's like the king of the rails. Tom he's Waits in a much nicer suit. <laughs> so Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. Okay, you know what? If uh, Sean Bean was just wearing like a uh, a like a, a porter's hat and like red overalls and nothing else, and just no one ever commented on it, <laughs> that would get me interested. <laughs> <laughs> just walking around with his with his suspenders and his tits out. He's got a giant handlebar mustache. Yeah. He pulls, he's like, uh, he doesn't he walk. Pulls, he just tap dances from place to place. Yeah. He pulls out a pocket watch and checks the time. And everybody's like, where'd that pocket watch come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much the only way you'd get me interested in the Snowpiercer TV series. Yeah. <laughs> How do we keep coming back to cats on this fucking show? Uh, because it's probably the most important thing that ever happened. <laughs> and it's also probably the last movie we're ever going to see in theaters. <laughs> if uh, if Cats ended up being the last movie I ever saw in theaters, like, well, at least I went out with a bang. <laughs> you finished strong. Yeah. Well, let's uh, to close it out. Suppose you had to do a rem- an English language remake of a foreign movie. What one would you pick? That's an interesting question. And I'm kind of drawing a blank on something that I could pick. So I'm just going to go with Turkish Star Wars. (laughs) And what would you contribute to it? Uh, More Turks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to make them wear fezes. Uh, The opening uh, or the opening credits is going to be Istanbul, not Constantinople by They Might Be Giants. Darth Vader should also be a Dracula. Yes, that would be good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you know what my three favorite things i've killed are third is turks second is jedi well would the would the jedi be the turks or would they be the uh wallachians uh well if you're making it from a turkish perspective the wallachians are the villains yeah though i don't know if you can sell a, a wallachian empire <laughs> <laughs> that might strain the old suspense of disbelief yeah, well, I mean, like the Roman Empire would be like the High Republic, and then uh, the I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how this would work historically. The Ottomans be... were the Old Republic, 
and then the Wallachians infiltrated them and overthrew them from within. No, because the the Ottoman because the Ottomans uh, conquered the Byzantine Empire, which probably would have been a closer analog for the Old Republic. I don't know. Uh, this is probably an analogy that doesn't work, and it's stupid to even talk about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Turkish but if we but if we started holding ourselves to standards, then we wouldn't have a show anymore. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm 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 throwing my money on Turkish Star Wars, but with more Turks and vampires and vampires, space vampires. Yes. Well, what what other kind would you have? <laughs> Maybe a hot disco number. Uh, they do have that in Brazilian Star Wars. Yeah. Ooh, Turkish Star Wars cross Brazilian Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Now we're getting transformative. Uh, now now I'm picturing just a uh cinematic universe involving all of the different foreign star wars knockoffs yeah each each different nationality of knockoff represents one of the star wars factions yeah all yeah so we're gonna have all of the different nationalities represented there's gonna be turkish star wars brazilian star wars probably a couple of like former soviet star wars oh uh, yeah star wars porn yeah uh, a few of those yeah a few of those the gang's all here (laughs) And the title track is a a Star Wars theme slash cantina song by Miko. (laughs) That's the title of the movie. (laughs) High quality, 128 kilobytes per second. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, all this shit is uh, public domain for obvious reasons. We can just edit this together ourselves. Yeah. Damn. That's something we should have done during the quarantine. (laughs) Star Wars, the definitive edition. (laughs) Fuck you, Lucas. (laughs) This is the definitive Star Wars. You don't edit it. I'll edit it. (laughs) Star Wars belongs to the fans, man. And the only footage from uh, the actual Star Wars movies we can use are the like shitty like 240p uh, stock footage that they used in the holiday special. Yes. <laughs> like Darth Vader walking down the uh, the corridor of the Tan T5 and you can just dub in whatever you want. You just use that like 10 different times throughout the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I-, I think they may have actually done that in Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just have him wa- have him uh, walking down the hallway and then just play the footage again, just like mirrored. So he's walking a different direction. <laughs> yeah. And the only footage, uh, uh, the only authentic Star Wars footage we use is that and B. Arthur's Cantina song. Yeah. <laughs> and the the uh, the weird horny grandpa Wookiee. Itchy. Yeah. Grandpa Itchy. <laughs> I mean, we're joking, but the more we talk about this, the more I want to see it done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fucking may as well. Yeah. Who's who's going to sue us? The Turks? Uh, well, I don't know. Do you want to fuck with Erdogan? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a way to do this in a way that fucks with Erdogan. So I guess the answer is yes. Well, see, now we can do a twofer. If you uh, rope in Turkish Star Wars and uh, Brazilian Star Wars, you get both Erdogan and Bolsonaro. Yeah, true enough. Though... Honestly, Bolsonaro might be into it because he is the dumbest man alive. <laughs> he is not a clever man. Arguably more clever than um, the... Pretty indestructible, though, because he had COVID like 
13 <laughs> times. That man has never not had COVID. <laughs> he might have been patient zero of COVID. I don't know who's who's dopier, him or the uh, wannabe dictator from Bolivia? The, the, are you talking about the one woman who like uh, carried the Bible into the National Assembly to like uh, exercise indigenous like ghost or whatever? Uh, I don't think she was uh, the dictator. She was just one of his toadies. Well, Bol- but, in Bolivia, but they given had... the caliber of people he has in his employ, well, in Bolivia they had an election and restored mass to power. So yeah, that's why I said wannabe dictator. Yeah, like he didn't even like maintain control like Bolsonaro did. You're not thinking of uh, Guaido from Venezuela, are you? No. Okay. Yeah, because he was he 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 did not he did not have the charisma of a Jair Bolsonaro. He was like Venezuelan uh, Beto O'Rourke. No, he's like a Venezuelan Jeb. Yes, <laughs> I think that's probably. That could, that could be a closer. Well, uh, you know what? Actually, he's a pretty what, good synthesis of the two. What what what's Spanish for? Please clap. <laughs> uh, actually, don't know. <laughs> I uh, have not kept up with my Spanish lessons. You all laugh at Jeb, but he'll be back. Oh yeah, he's he's a good old Texan hissing cockroach. What? <laughs> <laughs> What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know what they say about me, man. You can't get rid of me. I am the the original river possum. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, on that note... (laughs) You have been <laughs> You have been listening to another Splatterpunk Splattercast. My name is Ness. And David. And thank you for listening. The River Possum says good night. Yep. Eat ticks and party hard. Oh,